Welcome to the Buy Box Bandits podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Buy Box Bandits podcast. Today, we have a rock star OA and wholesale seller on the show, Raj FBA, fellow Southeastern PA native, as well as with Garrett and I, and everything. And today, we'll be talking specifically on how to grow your business very fast during Q4. We're getting into the easiest time of the year, and Raj saw explosive growth last year, very similar to Garrett and myself in past years, really finding stride and momentum this time of year. We want as many guys as possible to be able to do that as well. So thanks for joining us, Raj. Yep. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you have a pretty similar story to myself in terms of having like a shoe reselling background. Um, so you kind of explain, you know, your reselling background and then ultimately how you got into Amazon. We'll jam on some of the advanced stuff too. So I think I started, I think it was like 2018 when the blue tents came out and I know uh, Sawyer was talking about that too. That was like his, his first shoe. So uh, I got those in the Beluga 2.0s and I was like, the first thing I ever resold, I sold it on StockX, made like 200 bucks per pair. Like I didn't have, uh, I had one credit card at a $600 limit. Um, and I just like, I kind of used like soul links and a few other like Twitters. I was never in like discord groups or anything. Um, for like two years, I was just, you know, flipping a few like shoes. So nothing too crazy. Um, and then COVID came and that's, that's when I, you know, I had like two, three more credit cards. And that's when I really started getting to reselling, um, pools, weights, uh, what else was there? Uh, webcams, um, all that stuff that was selling like crazy in, in 2020. Um, after. yeah, yeah. Pools are definitely the big one, but I, I really didn't have a lot of capital to start cause I just had that credit card and actually I had the PayPal credit card and had like a three K limit. And that was like my highest credit card. Um, so buying pools that are $400, you're not going to be able to buy a lot of them and flip it. Um, so actually one, one of them, like my, my best ROI, like investments, I paid for a weekly copy of, of a bot called Eve AIO. It was 25 bucks and the guy never, he never took it back. He, I, I rented it for a week for 25 bucks and I had it for like six months and he was paying the monthly on it, which was like $40. So he was like losing money for six months straight. And I was just running up other people's credit cards and, and buying pools for them. Also, you know, buying some pools for myself and just like gaining that, that startup capital. Um, that kind of took me from literally like $0 to like 50 or 60 K. Um, these pool, like the big Coleman 18 foot pools, you would buy yep. for 400 from Walmart, free shipping before they added the 150 shipping or, and they, they increased the prices. Um, and I was selling them locally for like 1300, like straight <laughs> cash. And <laughs> you just keep flipping there. And then I was selling ACO, which this bot was, I was getting, you know, like 20, 30, like 50, sometimes overnight, it would check out 50 on people's cards and I would charge $90, $99. So I was making a ton of, yeah, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, pools, pools definitely help. The weights were nice. The bow flexes, um, those are going for a crazy amount too. You buy for like a few, few hundred, I think like 600 retail, um, and just sell them for like a thousand. It's something crazy like that. What I love is how everyone who resold during the COVID era talks about it the way like people who are really into high school football, like talk about high school <laughs> and stuff like it's like, it's the good old days, but that, that really did birth like all of us, man, just by yeah. with how easy, like that whole situation was such an opportunity to really, you know, grind and get after. And it's beautiful. What, you know, how many of us came out of it? Yeah. And like, it, like we started with literally no money. And like, it, mm-hmm. you think about it now, if, if we had the, the experience and the capital that we do now, and it was like 2020 again, I mean, 
like millionaires easily millionaires um but yeah so tools what else uh like a lot of limited collectibles the last few years shoes um and then about a year a little over a year and like you know two three months ago is when i like started amazon it was right after i actually graduated college um i got a finance and business information systems degree and i had like you know offers you're getting like 70 80k a year and it's just like you realize that's that's going to be the grind for the rest of your life you just don't want to do it so i was like fuck it like i'll take a year i'll see how how this goes and just you know if it, if it fails then make you know I'll, I'll get a job or something but yeah, Amazon. Amazon was doing really well. I start. I started. I think it was like uh, my first month was like two thousand, um, and just like scaled over and over. You know, it goes from two thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, forty, and you, you know, as you as you put in more, or you you leverage those credit cards, you can you can really scale up. So talk us through the the transition, right? Because we're we're essentially talking about two completely different business models, right? The flipping model where you're buying pools and selling them locally, and then the more traditional model that a lot of us are practicing, the OA wholesale model where it's buying and, and repeating those purchases, right? And so talk us through that initial transition, how you started to get accustomed to the the processes that maybe you're exhibiting now and, and walk us through that. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the limited stuff, you know, you're, you're buying one drop. It's like quick sell out times. You need bots and all this like extra, uh, like software to, to help you make those purchases. And then, you know, sometimes they flip for a crazy amount. Sometimes they, they like brick. Um, you don't really have a great gauge until you know how much stock there is of that, of that item, you know, with, um, with Amazon, it's, it's a lot easier, right? You have those keep it charts. You have that history. You can, you basically know what you're going to, you're going to be selling the item for. Yep. Um, and you know, the risk to, you know, how low it might go, how, how high it might go. Um, so yeah, the Amazon, just having that extra, extra information that you don't have with those limited items, those one release items, um, you know, you know what items to keep replanning on. Um, it's just a lot less risk and I'm definitely like attracted towards that because with that less risk comes, more money you're able to spend on those products, right? Like if, if there's like a limited drop for, you know, like a, a pair of shoes and you really don't know if it's going to be great or if they're going to have too much stock and the, and the shoe's going to break, you know, you might not want to buy like a ton of them. But when there's a good away deal happening, like I'm buying as much as I can, I'm selling out that website so I don't have no other competitors. Like that's that's kind of like my main way of uh, doing OA. I like, I like the websites where I can really, you know, try and and there's a good sale you know it's never been this low before it's only this low once every few months and you just buy out all the stock they have you, you know your your flipping time might be a little longer right because you might buy two three months worth of stock instead of one month but um just knowing that you don't have as many competitors and there's a lot less risk with it being a, a good sale um i kind of gravitated towards that on the oa side of things um so i'm like i do replan items but I I'll buy a lot of it. I'll sell it over like two, three months. Um, and then, you know, I'll replan on the next sale. I, I don't like going for stuff that's like always in stock. Um, so it is kind of like a half and half between like, yep. you know, traditional, Oh, you can just replan everything. And then like fully like, Hey, this is a one, one drop limited release item. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I've been doing on the OA side. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple things we can dig into with that. Cause I think, 
what I completely agree with that makes Amazon a lot better is that one, there's a barrier to entry with stuff. You can just, anyone can go sell on StockX today, like pretty much, right? But not everyone can get verified. Then you got to do the ungate and then you got to know how it works, right? You know, there's a, there's a prerequisite, decent amount of research and actually taking action. You got to do a sell product on Amazon, right? So naturally less competition and theoretically just based on the easy stuff. And then it's also, um, the data is a lot more clear as one is just a way bigger scale of opportunity. Cause we had all different types of products we can sell too, right? So like my kind of thing is like legitimately three hours ago, I was on discord with a couple of my guys and we were selling out a listing precisely as you were saying on a Thursday afternoon, like right after I got off a plane. And that just doesn't exist in the traditional, like, you know, kind of drops, Yeezys type of reselling world. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So can you specifically talk about December? Cause we really want to want to dial in on that fast growth you're able to have. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So right now is like the best time to kind of know what SKUs you're going to scale up for in December. You know, obviously you have the one year charts. You can see the BSR. If it's, it's going and peaking, you know, mid December, early December, you kind of know that's like a good, a good product to, if you're, if you're selling really fast now to buy a crap ton of in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm looking for that. I have, I have most of my buys. I already know what I'm going to be buying for December. Um, I'm not really like adding a crazy amount of new SKUs, maybe like a few to just test. Um, but most, most of the main ones, I know what I'm buying. Um, it's just about like waiting for those good deals to come around and then, you know, just getting as much as you can. Um, yeah, that's like my main method for, for Q4. Um, last December I got really lucky. I bought a product. I actually went for a discontinued product and I bought let me think I bought, I definitely bought like thousands of units of this product. And okay. So it was an 80, it was a, it was an $80 product and I was selling it for 300, um, like 250 to 300. So it was, it was crazy margin. Um, and it's just cause like it's discontinued. The listing still did really, it was doing really well. Right. Cause it's been doing amazing for two years before it discontinued. Um, so it was doing really well, but you just couldn't find the product anywhere. Cause you know, um, they stopped selling it. Uh, they made like a new version of the product. So yeah, that I just, I just ripped a ton of those. Um, my main, actually like one of my main bottlenecks for Q4 was prepping or just like getting those FBM orders out. Like I would be prepping for like eight hours. Yeah. Cause you don't like, you shouldn't have to source stuff. Like, like you were saying with that one major ASIN, like for everyone listening to this, if this is your first December, you're the vast, especially if you're FBM, which you should be, the vast majority of your money is going to be made. It concentrated on core ASINs, like your five to 20 best ASINs. That's where you're going to dial in on and start to see depth because you're getting feedback so quick because you're buying something on Thursday. It's coming in on Monday and you're shipping it out Tuesday and buying more, right? So there's no reason to be doing anything else, but you need to test now as much as possible so you can get the proof of concept, knowledge, support suppliers necessary to make that happen when the time comes yeah actually um i checked a few weeks ago for like my best selling asins in december and i think it was like five asins made up like 80k or something like that um so like yeah it, it was like a decent amount so even like you were saying you know like the 20 percent of your top asins make up 80 percent of your sales it's it's definitely true um you, you go deep on the really good fast selling asins and i mean it just it just sells so fast that yeah it's simple. You know what I mean? It honestly is really simple. It's way more simple than most people think, but you got to go through so much prerequisite work prior than that to be able to take advantage of that simplicity. Yeah. That, that's why right now is like just a really good time to, to test those ASINs, see what, 
you think is going to sell really well in December, buy it now, you know, kind of see, because also like keep is not 100% accurate. You could be selling $5 above buy box right now. And then imagine right. in December, you might be selling 10, 20, like, okay, maybe not 20, but you know, a really good amount above buy box um, at that time too, especially with, with seller snap. Uh, I have like ASINs that it never shows the price at like say sixty dollars, but I'm just selling at sixty dollars all day, and the and the disrespecting people on the listing. So you talk about how you have your core group of ASINs that you're planning on going deep on in December. If this is my December and you're talking to me, or this is my first Q4 and you're talking to me, where should I be looking? Am I looking sorts of seasonal products? Am I looking in my past catalog to see what increases in value and volume? Um, am I looking in the same sorts of brands you've had success with? What's, what should be my strategy heading into my first Q4 to really try and maximize, assuming capital is not an issue, assuming trying, uh, really trying to maximize the, the next couple of months? I would say a good place to start is definitely like, you know, um, checking past ASINs. Like that's what I was mm-hmm. doing like earlier, you know, this month is just seeing um, what ASINs might be like. They might not be totally great right now, or, you know, maybe they're 20% ROI right now, but looking from the past, they'd be like 40, 50% during December. Um, I'm kind of like noting down what ASINs, you know, uh, I can't buy now, but I'll buy in a few weeks. Um, uh, I'd say keep a product finder is really good too. Um, I like looking at, if you're looking at products that Amazon's going in and out of stock on, especially like toys, uh, chances are those those toys are going to be good toys in December. If Amazon can't stay in stock, that means Walmart, Target might also, you know, might might have trouble staying in stock and it might be a good toy to flip um, in December. Um, what else is there? I mean, yeah, season, I, I definitely think the seasonal stuff, giftable, giftable items are, are right. great, right? You already know shoes, clothing, um, what else? To- like toys, obviously, just like stuff, people gift each other. Um, obviously with shoes, you, you definitely have like a slightly higher return rate, especially in December. Like if, if someone's gifting another person a shoe, they probably, maybe they don't know their size, they're going to return it in January. So that's definitely something, something to look out for. Um, that's why I also, I FBM a lot of like the shoes that I do sell, I try and FBM them if I can get buy box FBM, because sometimes you get them like they're like, dirty you definitely can't sell them at least you can take a 50 percent restocking fee or something like that um i don't take i actually don't take like any fees if it's you know if they return it brand new i'm not taking like a fee for shipping and stuff like that uh mostly because you sell it again and and you'll make the profit it's whatever um but yeah the the 50 restock fees definitely help when when you get back on sellable returns at least you make up for your buy cost most of the time um yeah, I mean, like clothing, I'm definitely going pretty deep on clothing. I haven't been doing clothing a lot this year, but it's like Q4, it just sells so, so high. Um, it's actually it funny because I think... Last, yeah, you can see it in the smile right there. Yeah, I'd say like, yeah, clothing, toys, shoes, uh, anything that you can see the BSR just like go up drastically in, in Q4 is probably a, a, a good one that's going to also raise in price. So having said that, it's... I would assume important to to keep organized or keep your products organized of things you've bought previously to to kind of refer back. Do you have any sort of tactics or or efficiencies inside how you manage your inventory on an ongoing basis so you can refer back and and see what you bought previously to repurchase? I do. I have a buy sheet which everybody like obviously should have. Um, yeah. You just have to like keep track of all your transactions. Um, what I do is 
I also just use Selleramp, the like export feature. I, I feel like that's, that's like one of the most useful features that some people no still one, don't know about. I, yeah, like, yeah, seriously. You guys got to get that set up. Like, go do it right now. Selleramp.com, Google Sheets, top right. Q4, almost good, purchased, replants, any favorite websites you have, out of stock. Like, you can get seasonal set. stuff every holiday. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll like... um you know, maybe I'll like storefront stock or I'll be going through a, a website and you see the sale already ended and it's sold out, but I'll just like keep note, copy and paste those links onto the, the, the lead sheet and just make sure I have that for future reference. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so um, obviously last year was predominantly OA. I know this year you've gone at the warehouse, gotten some wholesale involved. Talk about how the business has evolved a little bit. So yeah, last year was like strictly OA. Um, there's like a few phases when you're doing Amazon, right? There's like the first phase of like acknowledging that, you know, it's a profitable business model. The second phase is growth, right? You want to grow as much as you can. And then the, the next phase is scaling and having those systems like and optimizing. Yeah. yeah. So like, like that, like last December was insane. I was doing what, like I was dead after that. I needed a good break. Um, just like you're packing so long, you're, you're taking like, you have huge ass, like UPS pickups, that you're just helping him shove all the packages in. Um, it's just, it's, it's definitely a lot. Um, you, you're working like 16 hour days, like when, when it gets in the heat of things. Um, so at the beginning of this year, I was really looking at creating systems where I don't have to do a crazy amount of work anymore. Um, it wasn't necessarily about growth to start. Um, so yeah, like getting the warehouse was the main thing on my list. Um, you know, getting an employee, uh, VA. I didn't have a VA up until earlier this year. Uh, what else is there? Better, better software. Um, just being able to uh, outsource all of those extra tasks so I can focus my time on, you know, whatever I want to do or maybe a, a different business as well. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely come in handy. Um, I'm able to like, you know, I, I went on a few different trips this year and, Although my sales did drop a little bit during those like, you know, two week time spans, um, I was still like making money while like, you know, going on a trip to Japan with my friends or, you know, going to like, I went to ASD or just like a whole bunch of other um, trips. So that was, that was the main thing is, you know, once you have the warehouse and also like, there's a lot of skills that you learn when owning a warehouse that I, I know everybody, the prep center routes definitely like the move. Um, but when you have your own warehouse, like you learn so many things that you wouldn't learn um, just using a prep center and, and outsourcing it that way. Right. So I'm like learning about how like the taxes work for like, I, I need to create like a withholding tax on employment tax account with like a state. Like I had no idea. Honestly, I didn't Miles is for, like, cringing as you're talking. I, He's I just getting, like, cringing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we have Dan for luckily at, uh, at the old warehouse. That you like, it's definitely, um, stuff you don't want to be doing, but it's also skills you kind of need to learn because, um, especially for me, like I want to, I want to like buy businesses like in the surrounding area at some point, like I don't want to be doing Amazon the entire time. It's more of like a funnel to put my money into yep. assets, right? Like I'm not going to, cause also keeping all your money into Amazon and yeah, one wrong thing happens. Like yeah, exactly. obviously you're not, you're not hoping for that to happen, but you, mm -hmm. you got to take the calculated risks on pulling your money out and putting into more scalable, um, models or just like something, you know, other assets.
Yeah, bro, definitely. And especially, you know, for the young people listening to this, which is, you know, the majority of you guys, right? It's tough when you're new with this stuff, thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to retail arbitrage for 10 years. Absolutely not. Like you majorly screwed up if you're, you know, doing even online arbitrage, right? For 10 years, use everything as like a stepping stone. Like got started with shoes. I got started with shoes, right? Then I did textbooks on Amazon, now OA, now software, all this other stuff we got going on. Like you, you evolve as you should, right? Because your skill sets start to serve better opportunities and such. And speaking of that, just kind of that evolution, like how do you see the Amazon business evolving in the next couple of months and just kind of beyond? Do you think it's going to be more wholesale? Is OA easy enough? You'll never say no to some of it. What are your thoughts on that? I think for Q4 always just it's just too easy and it's also yep. it's kind of fun just going back into it after with you know the get with like the boys. Some, oh my gosh yeah. nothing better nothing <laughs> yeah just like being in VCs and and you know going through some sales um yeah I think I think always like around to stay I mean brands are going to be like stricter maybe on some stuff they might as like Amazon does grow people you know these brands will take notice and and want to capitalize for that for themselves. Um, and that also is like kind of a thing with wholesale, like, you you know, your business model might suffer a little bit in that case, if you know, you have really good ASINs and then the brand hops on and they're like, Hey, we got to like take you guys off. So, I mean, I think it definitely always around to stay. Um, there's always going to be brands that don't like monitor, you know, Amazon. Um, I think wholesale is also like around to stay, especially if you're able to get those brand direct accounts and, and be that like, um, you know, that, that person who, who they can look to, to, to help them with like their listings and, you know, advertising, stuff like that. Um, I've, I've been definitely like researching into private label. I had a, I had a goal to do like 50 K a month through private label. I'm a little, I, I put it on the back burner. Um, the wholesale took a little bit longer to like get going. Um, you know, I did, I was able to place like some, some, decently sized orders, like an 80 K order, 30 K 20 K I have decent orders from decent distributors, but, um, I, uh, I want to, I want to focus more on private label and, you know, after Q4, um, I think it's like, it's definitely like a more scalable business model, just in the sense that you launch one product. Um, I mean, I, I have launched products in the past and they've been profitable, but actually my last product, it was, it was profitable. Uh, and then the supplier just like, I don't know what happened. They were just not on Alibaba anymore. And they Crazy just like, did. like China, yeah. <laughs> so I just couldn't, I couldn't replenish the ACID. So, I mean, I was making like a decent, like seven to 10 bucks per unit. And like, I don't know what happened. So I just like, I never uh, restocked that ASIN, but um, it was also on my main account. You want to create a separate account for, for um, private label, especially if you're really trying to create a brand that you might sell in the future. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on that. Um, Amazon's definitely like still taking up a decent amount of my time at, at least like half of it. Um, but I do want to kind of expand outside of that and, and do different things as well. Miles, I'll never forget a uh, thousand ASINs just <laughs> slapping his brand on the table. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How he just, yeah, that was awesome. Dude. And, he, and he owned it when we talked to him. Yes. Absolutely. It was, it was so it. funny. Kind of, um, kind of leaving the, the viewers with some, some tactical stuff here. Well, t- talk us through your transition from OA to wholesale. You said you were, I mean, rather successful, right? Placing some good size orders. Or orders. How did they come apart? What sorts of brands were you pinpointing? What, what sorts of tactics did you use to to reach out to those brands, find them, source them, and kind of walk us through that entire transition? Yeah, so um, it was, I kind of like started outreaching uh, 
what is it like February, March. Um, I, I also, I never stopped away, obviously. Like yeah, you want to keep that like money coming in while you're, it's just so um, much good momentum. You don't want to so lose the momentum. Easy. Yeah. 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 So, um, I started outreaching, you know, obviously you start with like Google, just like looking them up, see what's, what's in your area. Um, I went to, I think it was in February. ASD was, was great. I actually, the thing about ASD is there's obviously a lot of Amazon sellers, um, who go, but sometimes the, the opportunities aren't from only the like distributors with like, you know, sands there. Like you might just meet someone who owns a store and they, you know, you might be able to buy from that. Like there's so many other like opportunities Like you just want to get out there and network yep. and talk to people. Um, so I definitely, I, I've got some good leads there. Um, and also just like talking to people uh, like in the, in the community, like going half and half with someone mm-hmm. for a, for a big order um, that you couldn't get a loan and they couldn't get a loan, but working together, you can kind of get some of these bigger orders placed. Um, yeah, I think, I think having a warehouse definitely helps with the, the wholesale side of things, just like having that, um, industrial, like, you know, that, that commercial address, they, they automatically, you know, they, and especially the, the complex, um, that my warehouse is in right now, like it just looks huge. Like it, it looks great. So, uh, you know, if they're looking on Google or something, like it looks legitimate, it's not like some like super small, like, you know, they don't, they don't look it up and see Massive. a house. And it's yeah, so yeah. cheap too. Like, you know, we're so yeah. Ross and I live right, right near each other, basically in Pennsylvania, or where my parents live in Pennsylvania. And it's like completely out in the sticks. Like that's actually like a decent amount of America's like that. So like warehouses are not as expensive as people think they are completely. Yeah. I think, um, including like utilities and Comcast is destroying me there. They're making me pay 200 a month for oh, okay, Wi-Fi, well, but, but like total, total, it's like, uh, like 2000. Yeah. like a month it's not like bad it's, yeah it's for nothing. how big that place is it's not bad at all yeah um so yeah that that's uh like two thousand and then you know employees are like another two thousand and you know you're paying for software and all these other monthly expenses um so it kind of gets up there but once you have like a decent rhythm going it's you know it's not a huge deal um but yeah the, the warehouse definitely helped um what else did i do i mean like calling is great like and also as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously it sucks to do like not everybody, you don't want to pick up a phone 10 times. Like you're getting like no answers. You gotta do, it, you gotta do what other people won't do. Yeah. It's the same thing, man. Like it's the same thing with like existing on Twitter and stuff. Like everyone who gets all the results does what other people don't want to do. Like, like the whole thing. And then um, just kind of finishing up here, just getting super tactical, right? Scaling FBM because you did a shitload of FBM orders last year. I did a shitload of FBM orders last year. Garrett did a shitload of FBM orders two years ago, right? As did we all. Um, but we want to get super tactical. How, how do we actually scale FBM? I'll run through a couple of my things, right? Just that I want everyone to know and then we can jam on as well. But definitely like getting your shipping set templates set up correctly, charging a lot for next day and expedited, using your e-pricer, repricing up if the value is going up, being in zero day handling time to get your momentum building, then going two day handling time, using free four by six labels from the UPS website, using free USPS pickups, using discounted UPS pickups from Pirate Ship, um, pre-packaging FBM orders is great too. What's some other stuff in terms of the FBM side things that's important? FBM, um, I think also just, uh, I just have like a ton of different size boxes and poly bags and I feel like people don't want to like spend the money on the boxes. Like people are getting those like free USPS boxes and like shipping it 
UPS and stuff like that. Like, yeah, just, get, just get the right, yeah, yeah. yeah, get the, just get a bunch of size poly bags and boxes. Cause also like you think about it, the dimensions are smaller, you know, the shipping will be cheaper. Um, and I definitely, you know, jack up the, uh, the expedited, um, especially as it gets closer to, to the 25th, I'm putting like $30 expedited. Like even <laughs> Yeah. Someone bought like a $30 item and paid like $60 for expedited shipping too. But at the end of the day, you, you know, like if you're buying the right stuff, they sell, right. If you're like, yeah. you bring up keep a product finder. That's such a good method. You can look up on keep a product finder what's going up in demand, right? So the first line, the sales rank, scroll over to the right, do 50% plus. And just so you can see what the rank's getting completely cut in half. You can filter to what's increasing in price. Like that stuff's great using the seller amp spreadsheets to be prepared for the best product. You can go in on Keep a Product Finder and put in zero to 20,000 sales rank, Nike, Adidas, Converse, right? And see all of the listings and then go look what went up in price last year. Let me spreadsheet those everything is profitable during black friday or very close to it so it's you know super doable right there and then where can people find you on social media um raj fba on twitter and instagram i kind of I, I don't post on instagram much uh i actually I, i'll probably get back to that um shortly but it was mostly like of me growing my wholesale um and just like slowly updating on there i just i don't i don't like instagram i don't really use it much but um yeah, maybe I'll start posting on there more. Well, yeah, hit the you know hit the, <laughs> hit the man up on Twitter and then and such and everything and then thanks for coming on man and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you.